ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Hey. Justin Jones, welcome to ATV Talk. Right on. Thanks for having me. It's good oh, to be brother. here. Hey, it's taken a long time to get you here. It has. I has. I've apologized for that, but I'm a busy guy now being a dad and a husband and full-time student. So uh, glad I can make some time for it. I'm, I am too. You caught me off guard when I got your text today. It was, uh, I had, my mind was totally in a different area. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm glad I could surprise you. Well, yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was, it's great. Thank you so much. That brings me to this question. What are you, what are you studying? Uh, mechanical engineering. Oh, you, yeah. You step into the world of making money. Well, hopefully <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, a mechanical engineer degree is going to be easier to use than some degrees, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's not a liberal arts or something. Um, <laughs> hopefully I'll be able to use, uh, some of my motorcycle background and what I've been learning in school so far to, uh, come up with something that's enjoyable to, uh, pursue the rest of my life. You know, we were talking before I started recording that you've stepped away from the bike a little bit to focus on your education. Are you yeah. going to get back to riding at some point or is, is this calling it a career for uh, racing? You know, I'd really like to, um, if circumstances are right, I I've still been riding as much as I can. Um, I actually did the last two AMA nationals last year off the couch, which is pretty funny. Um, so I've got some plans after the summer, if I can get into shape and, uh, do a little bit of racing, but I'd like to like to step back into it. If I can figure out a way to do it for sure. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Cause a yeah. talent like you, we don't want, we don't want you to stop. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it hasn't been easy. That's for sure. It's, it's tough to, uh, go to school every day when you used to ride and train, but it's, uh, I think it's been nice to take a step back and, and really focus on, you know, life after racing, because I kind of really didn't have a plan at the time that I was racing full time. So it's cool to have at least a direction of, of life after racing, you know? 
There's life after racing. <laughs> life is racing. I'm just trying to squeeze something else in there. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I got to have to go rethink this. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm a little shocked now, you know, I'm in my fifties and, and you're telling me there's, there's, there's nothing after race. There's life after this. I hope so. Wow, man. I'm a, I'm a little scared, man. Hey, uh, how did you get into motorcycles and off-road and all that? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, probably most of all from my, my dad, my dad's a four-time national motocross champion, the, the first ever AMA motocross champion. So for sure from him and, uh, his dad owned motorcycle dealers and raced and it's just really, it's in the, it's in the blood. And even from my mom's side, my mom was and her family really into uh, car racing and racing in Baja and the score series and, and things like that. So it really comes from both sides, but, uh, yeah, definitely mostly my dad, my dad's a big influence for sure. Didn't your dad win a European title too? Uh, no, no, just, just strictly, uh, U S titles is the first, uh, first four of the AMA series. He won in 71, 72, 73, and 74. Those are big shoes to fill. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It's been a long time ago though. So it's, I I think not a lot of people remember how, uh, how great of a motorcycle rider he was and, and still is really, he's turning 70 this year and he's still extremely talented on a motorcycle. Do you guys get to go ride much together? Uh, not as much as we used to, but definitely, uh, as of lately, a lot more for sure. Um, I think Honda just gave him a bike again to start riding. So he's pretty happy about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I always liked your dad. He always was very good to me. Very nice to me. And, and always just a super, super guy. Well, that's, that's good because he either you, you love him or you hate him. So I'm glad you're on the good side. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know, he never cared a whole lot for the ATV stuff, but he, but he was also willing to, to step into that arena and, and not, and not be, um, against it, you know, like yeah, so many absolutely. were anti, I mean, you had a stint in ATV racing. Yeah. Yeah. It was really because of my dad and, uh, well, mostly from, from Wayne Hinson at Hinson clutch components. Um, my dad worked for Wayne for a long time doing R and D uh, and I did a lot of the testing for him and I did a lot of motorcycle testing and they had an ATV out there and, uh, Wayne said, why don't you ride that? And I was thinking, uh, I, I don't really, I don't really want to. And they kind of convinced me to do it. And, uh, I don't know. It seemed like I, I rode it really well and it was fun and just kind of took off from there. Yeah. Cause you, you, I don't know. You didn't make it to the pro ranks, but you guys were racing in the A class, weren't you? With with Garen Fuller and and a couple of guys like that. Yeah, I did. I did race uh, two pro races in the quad cross series. I got third at the first round, and I think I had a bike problem the next round, and then I kind of lost interest after that. My my quad racing career was like roughly two years. It was kind of like a like a firecracker. Really, I came out strong and blew up and left. Really, I haven't <laughs> I haven't ridden a ATV since, uh, probably 2011, which doesn't sound that long ago, but it, it actually is. It's 12 years. I know it's been a while. How old are you? I'm 29. Ah, oh, dude, you're still a baby. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking maybe 32, but 29, dude, you're still, 
you're still young. You got a long way to go. Yeah. Turning 30 this year, this, this July. God, do I, I look that old? I have two children. I should have shaved. I have two children older than you. <laughs> I'm, I'm the youngest of three, so don't feel too bad. I don't. I mean, I think it's awesome that you're, you, you, you've had an, an amazing stretch for as young as you are, you know? Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, the things that you've got to go do, were you racing motorcycles in, in, in Mexico, uh, at a young age? Not, not really. I think, um, I was 20 when I started in 2013 with the KTM team. Oh, actually, excuse me, the, the year previous to that, I did the thousand with a friend. So kind of right on the cusp of being a young gentleman and a teenager still. When you were, when you were younger, did you do a lot more motocross? Um, I would say so. I, I did a lot of everything and that's kind of what's so great about having my dad is he didn't, uh, really keep us strict to, to one thing. If, if, if we saw an opportunity to race something, we were going to race it. If it was an off-road race, a motocross race, an ATV race, or whatever it may be, if we had an opportunity and it looked fun to do, we would, we would be going out and doing it. That's so cool. Yeah. Did you guys ever get into the UTVs or, or cages? Yeah. My dad is really into it right now and he's trying to pry me over to that side. And I'm not so sure if I want to go that far yet. I want to still, uh, still ride motorcycles a little bit longer if I can, but he he's really into it. He's doing the DP four series up in like the Northern or uh, the high desert, excuse me. And he's having a lot of fun doing that. That's awesome. Well, you know yeah. what? You make me put a quad together and roll it out there and say, Hey, Justin, come and test it for me. You know, I, I was thinking about that because, uh, Bo Barron's a good friend of mine. And I raced with him when I was, I turned pro on an ATV before I turned like three years before I turned pro on a, on a motorcycle. So I feel like I, I've learned a lot since then. And I keep seeing Bo out there kind of crushing the competition. And I always think like, I think I could put it to the old man if I put a little effort in, but you know, you never know. That guy's, that guy's pretty talented. He's good. Uh, he's not bad. Mike Sloan's really good too. He's, he's, uh, I believe he was an amateur when I was kind of the A class, uh, just turning pro in ATVs, I remember him being an amateur and uh, he's fast too. He's won a two pro am titles at works and, and a, and a pro title at works. And then he, yeah. uh, I think he was involved in some score titles and I know he was, yeah, that's right. Two best in the desert titles. Yeah. He's an animal. He's yeah. an animal. He's struggling a bit right now, but I'm sure he'll bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good people. ATV people are, are usually far better, uh, far nicer than most motocross people. So it's a tight knit community, especially on the West coast out here. They're small group of ATV guys like yourself are just extremely nice and, and caring. Even I raced against you guys, you and Garen and all those guys and you, you were extremely supportive and uh, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's a family thing, you know, I mean, everybody in the ATV world and, and, and for the motorcycle people that are going to listen to this or that listen, uh, don't take offense to it, but it's just true. Motorcycle people generally treat ATV people like shit. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate. I was riding like that crossover wave of people for a while. I was doing a few races where I'd race a motorcycle and ATV at, on, at the same day on the same race. And I think that, that 
might have opened up some opportunity for a crossover for more people, but um, I mean, I don't, I don't like riding a track after an ATV on my motorcycle. It's pretty, it's pretty junk. So, uh, I could see why they don't, they don't like them. Well, it's the same for the ATV guys riding the, the motorcycle track. You know, it's, it's not as much fun for us either, but yeah, we're always given horrible tracks to ride. So you just ride it and deal with it and have fun. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned the crossover. You know, yeah. one of the legends in ATV sports is a crossover. Gary Denton. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Denton. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of amazing crossovers, especially on the West coast, but I guess all of them are West coast that I know. Gary Denton, uh, Dustin Nelson, Bo Barron. Yep. Um, I think that's all to my knowledge. I think I was the next one after that. I'm not really 100% sure. Um, there's a guy in works right now that's a crossover that races. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Travis Damon. That's right. And he's doing yeah. really well. Are, are you helping him out, right? I are was for him? a little while. I was for yeah. a little while. He's okay. He's changing course and uh, um, I don't know. I don't know where he's going with it, but you know, I, I okay. hope he hope he does good because I think I think he's got real talent. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean Well maybe you should build me a quad and let's go kick his ass. Well, all right. I'm in the process of doing that right now. So we'll, uh, we'll have to finish that up. <laughs> I got to put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. You may get a call and you're going to be like, you know, I didn't really want to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. I would, I think at least for anything, it would be fun to, to just give it another couple laughs just to just see if I remember what it feels like, you know, that'd be well, fun. Maybe we definitely go out and test and get the suspension, right. Make sure the power is where you wanted it. So that when you lined up there, you had every opportunity to, to do damage. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Maybe we'll have to do something. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually building a 450 that I was building yeah. myself. And if it's mine, okay. do with it as I please. And uh, if you get to take a couple laps on it, it would be an honor. That'd be great. That'd be great. A Honda, I'm, I'm of course, right? You're a big of, Honda guy. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have a, I have a fleet of them in, in the shed that I'm building. So, um, one of them just happens to be mine. Perfect. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, I love it. It, it. You can build so many different machines. I mean, that the Honda is second nature. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The reliability is top notch too with the Honda. I, I totally agree. What, yeah. You've ridden multiple different venue, uh, models of motorcycle, correct? Yeah, I'm actually a test rider for uh, Dirt Bike Magazine. I've been doing that uh, almost, I'd, I'd say almost all my life. So I've ridden every current motorcycle and new motorcycle that no one's ridden yet for the past 10 years. I just got done doing the 450 shootout actually for the 23 models actually. It's or uh, the 22, I'm sorry, 22 shootout. And uh, yeah, they're pretty epic. All bikes are extremely good right now. It's It's pretty impressive. Is the Honda good? Yeah, the Honda's the Honda's good. All all the bikes are good. Um, the Honda is a little bit off balance. They they undersprung the shock, so it kind of sits like a chopper a little bit, and it's got some twitchiness that I wish that they could get rid of. Um, but yeah, it's definitely up there. I'm not sure if uh, everyone feels the same way I do about it, maybe, but um, it's it's a good bike for sure. How how was the Yamaha like that Eli's riding? The Yamaha was, was, was really good. They all really have their, their strong and weak points. Really. 
I feel like for the Yamaha, that was probably the one bike I always feel I have to maybe ride a little bit different. It is so it goes so straight in a rut, but for me, when I push it too hard into a corner, I feel like it kind of gets uh, a bit nervous for me. But man, if you're in deep deep ruts twenty four seven, that's kind of one of the bikes to have. It's it's so straight, and and a stock component suspension is probably one of the best out there right now. Wow. That's yeah. You know what? You, you got to look at it. Honda and Yamaha have been building, bouncing back and forth with the best quality forever. Yeah. K- KTM is still super, super good. And I race for them quite a bit too. I, if for me personally, I'd choose between a KTM and a Honda for sure. Yeah. I just can't seem to put myself on a orange bike. <laughs> You've been bleeding red for a long time. Uh, you know, there's just something about the KTMs. I still haven't got over the fact the way they the way they rolled in with works bikes when everybody else was on production bikes. Yeah, I still haven't yeah. got over it. You know, maybe I ought to just get over it and move on. But uh, are you talking the homologation rule? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? In the very yeah. beginning, when they very first came out. You yeah, know, they were building they were building the custom bikes for Dungey, and I yeah. just didn't think it was fair. Make him ride a production bike. <laughs> if it's not a lot of gray area with that rule. Well, I found some things out since then about all of the manufacturers that I was not aware of. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on for sure. One of the guys that I'm friends with from up North, he uh, was mechanic and for a young man here in California and he was working on it. He was the guy was riding Hondas. Mm-hmm. He's, working on the bike and he's at the starting line and he's kneeling down and he just happens to turn his head over and there's a factory Honda there and he's looking at the head and the head pipe and looking at his bike and looking at the other one. And they're not the same. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, what? he started asking questions and they, they, they shushed him up pretty quick. You know? Yeah. You're not supposed to know that they're different from a picture. Yeah. And, and when they're, when you're, ride by on the camera you can't see the difference yeah unfortunately tech inspection from the ama is what i would call a joke because they're still (laughs) making sure your brakes work and your foot pegs flick up and it's even this this past year when i raced the two nationals the tech inspection because of covid we just signed a paper and said oh yeah my bike's fine and you give them the paper and sign for it so i don't know if it's some like insurance legality but it's kind of non-existent anyways Tech inspection for most things anymore nowadays, unless you're driving a UTV, has gotten to be kind, yeah. of, kind of a yeah. way. Most yeah. of the car stuff's pretty good for sure. Yeah, I mean with fire and be able to get out. I mean, there's just all yeah, yeah, it's pretty important. Every one of my motorcycle friends, I ask this question: Have you ridden that KTM 300 two-stroke? Yes, I spent a lot of time on it. The TPI or the or the carbureted. The the carbureted one is more what I'm thinking about, but the fuel injected okay. one would be also uh, something to to ask about. Is it as sure. good? Is it as good as the hype? Uh, no, the TPI currently. I think their next generation fuel injection will be better. But right now, I would I would choose the carburetor tenfold. Is it? Is it? But is it as good as as I've heard? The bike, the 300 two-stroke is a good bike in general. It's probably one of my favorite bikes, actually. Um, as far as, 
it kind of depends on what you're doing with it. If you're just a trail rider, it's, it's an amazing motorcycle. I think if you're kind of a crossover guy like me, like you're doing a lot of moto and some trail riding and off-road, probably not. But I think for the average guy, they're, they're pretty incredible. Really. You can do uh, some pretty amazing things on them. Well, they've turned one into a three-wheeler and I want to really, yeah, I want to ride that. And I want to ride and I want to ride one of those motorcycles. A buddy of mine uh, has one and I just haven't been able to um, connect with him. He's got the fuel injected model and the carbureted model. So, okay. One of these days I'm going to have to hit him up and go ride and, and, and try it out because uh, you see videos, you hear everybody talk about it. And it's just such a great handling machine. And you get a little older, you can't hold on to the machine as well. Yeah, for sure. I see little guys throwing that thing around like it's nothing. It's pretty good. The 350 four-stroke is really good. That's probably a top two bike of my favorites, for sure. I've always liked the 350 KTM since it came out. It's a... Extremely well diverse motorcycle. That's the one that Brandy rides. Does she ride a three fifty or a two fifty? She rides a three fifty. Yeah, it's a it's a great bike. It really is. She's beating the boys. Yeah, she's badass, man. She really is. I I, I really enjoy talking to her because she is down to earth. And um, when you talk to Travis, he goes, "Yeah, I'm framing houses, and I can hear her off in the." off in the background over there doing motos, you know, cause it's so awesome. Yeah. Training and getting faster. Yeah. Yeah. She just, I think she just did a GNCC, the last GNCC too. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I walked over to the KTM tent on the round 10 of prim, at prim last year. Yeah. I don't know who I was talking to over there, but I just said, Hey, what's the deal guys? Why isn't she under your tent? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That is weird fastest woman on the planet and yeah don't have her under the tent I, I don't i don't get it i think she's getting support but i'm not sure how much yeah and i don't you know stick my nose where it doesn't belong you know i mean i right. just i'm just a fan and like to uh promote the people that i enjoy because she's, yeah that was the first she's time awesome. i got to see your ride and just incredible yeah ama motorcyclist of the year that's, that's what she was yeah i didn't incredible. know yeah. yeah. She uh went to six days, won every test at six days, undefeated. That's incredible. Yeah, that's almost that's a big feat. I believe she went undefeated in the States too, with the big six series and the work series. I'm pretty sure. I think she had a pretty undefeated year. Imagine racing all year and never getting beat. That's incredible. I mean, I mean we've had some good years, but nothing nothing that yeah. good. Not nothing that good. No. Nothing that good. That's pretty incredible. You know? Yeah. She, she's the real deal for sure. Man. Have you ever raced against her or, or spent much time riding with her at all? No, I think when I was really thick in the scene for works, I think she'd just gotten on big bikes. Um, I don't really know her that well. I know a lot of like the general people she's usually around, but um, no, I haven't ridden with her much at all. Wow. What's the big difference for you going from a moto track? to works. Oh boy. Lately, it seems, uh, like a works race is a bit of just a dusty motocross track. <laughs> That's a little bit of the reason I kind of, uh, fizzled out in a way, not, not like, um, this great 
off-road guy because I'm really not. I just try hard. But it seemed they were going more towards like uh like a moto course. And it just wasn't uh wasn't as much fun for me. But I'd say the biggest difference, at least for the guys now, is that they're in such incredible shape. They're like at aerobic threshold for two hours, which is pretty gnarly. That's that's like they're holding 180 plus heart rate for two hours, which is extremely hard to do. And they're going really fast doing it. So, um, not that I think that their level is higher than what I had. It's just a little bit different. The intensity is kind of shifted. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I was, I was just more wanting to know the differences between the nuances from the moto to the off-road. I mean, I think that you're from what I've seen, if it's a moto track, you're having a great time. If it's a desert race, you're having a good time. And the works was a filler. And excuse me, what was the first one or the, or the last one there? The works was the filler. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I think, uh, I'm kind of bred for that. And, uh, I, I'd really like to, um, get back to them. Really. I've been, I've been thinking about it quite a bit. Uh, my plan, uh, for the end of summer, I don't, I'm not taking any summer school. So I'm hoping to, uh, get in legitimate shape this year and, and do the last two nationals again, and then, uh, possibly finish out the work series on the motorcycle. If I, uh, if I am in shape, you know, I don't, I don't want to go just to ride around. I'd like to go and, and try to be as competitive as I can. So, um, I don't know. I might, I might get 10th and get smoked, but I'm going to, uh, see what I got. I don't think you're going to get smokes. <laughs> I think you're a little better than that, but if, if I can get in shape, like, I, like I know I need to, uh, I think I can be competitive. I, uh, I mean, we'll see, but it'll, it'll be fun. I'd like to, uh, score some points at a national too. I, I really kind of, uh, not almost retired, but I could see kind of the downfall of my career last year. So I was thinking, man, I think I could race a couple of nationals. So in a month and a half, I came off the couch and qualified for both nationals and had my best moto of a 24th. And I couldn't believe how bad a shape I was in. I was tired after practice. So I was thinking, man, I put almost no effort into it and uh, I did, you know, relatively well. So maybe if I put some real honest effort into it, I can, uh, see what I can achieve. It'd be pretty fun. Do you race the same bike or do you have a couple different machines to do what you do? Yeah, right now, actually I have just a Honda 450 RX and I'm currently doing a story on exactly what you're saying. I'm finding that I can do all these different disciplines on one motorcycle, just with some, I've got another set of suspension and wheels and I'm doing a story that's going to be able to race motocross off-road and I have a flat track set up all on one motorcycle. So it's going to be a pretty interesting story. But last year too, I did the same thing. I've done all my riding usually on one motorcycle. That's so incredibly awesome. Yeah. You have sponsors and people that help you on the show. I'm assuming. Yeah. Mostly dirt bike magazine, a little bit of support from, um, from press like Ryan Dudak at Honda. Um, but, but really I did it basically on my own last year. Um, I haven't had like a real legitimate sponsor for quite a while. Minus Baja, the Baja stuff kind of doesn't count. I'd feel like it's kind of its own thing in general. I haven't really had any real major racing support since like 2018. So mostly on my own. And it's been a lot of 
a heck of a lot more. That's for sure. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, how does the family work with the, the riding? Yeah, it was, it's been tough to juggle at first to, to figure it out. My son's going to be turning two here in June. And, um, I, I met my wife at a motorcycle track and she loves racing and is supportive, but, uh, I'd say the family thing is great. They're, they're all into it. My kid's crazy about motorcycles and I almost didn't want him to be, but, uh, the hard thing for me is juggling is school, man. It's, uh, if there's any engineering students out there, as soon as you start getting into the upper division or upper, upper level classes, it's, gets, uh, it's pretty tough to juggle everything for sure. How many years do you got left? Uh, just under a year. Yeah. So I'm seeing uh, the light at the end of the tunnel finally. Yeah, dude, it's been, it's been rough. Uh, my last ball 1000 win in 2020. Oh man, it was hellacious. I would pre-run all day for, I think I was there a week and a half. I'd pre-run all day, every day. I'd get, wake up at seven, pre-run all day, get back, eat dinner, study almost all night. till I passed out till like one, one o'clock, wake up, pre-run all day. I'd do that. Man, I had like almost a full mental breakdown. And I remember telling myself like, dude, I can't do this anymore. Like I got to finish school. And if I still want to race after I finish school, then we'll, then we'll do that. But the Baja thing's tough because it's, uh, takes quite a lot of time and it might look easy off the couch or on TV. It looks like we're just, you know, cruising down the road, but man, that is probably one of the most mentally demanding races you can do. That's for sure. Do you like the speed? Yeah, I, I like the speed. It's never really bothered me. Really. I think after a couple of days pre-running, you really get used to acclimate it to going like in the range of 50 to 80 miles per hour all the time that I'll be speeding in my van down the freeway and it just feels like I'm going like 45. You, you kind of just get used to it really. When I was talking to Robbie Bell, he said that one of the things that he noticed at the end was the intensity and the level of the racing just kept stepping up, stepping up. Yeah, stepping up. absolutely. Absolutely. Especially at the end of his Baja career, when uh, a lot of manufacturers were involved with you know the KTM, I saw the KTM program. I was their backup rider. So I'd ride in their helicopter because I was pretty young. And I saw how much effort and uh, money they were putting into that program. And it was, it was intense uh, for sure. The, the whole, the year uh, Kirk Caselli passed away, I was in the helicopter. I mean, the whole race and I, I was trying, I was the one searching for him as well. So I saw a lot of that intensity from the sky and, uh, Man, really, I think that helped me in my Baja career. I saw almost everyone's mistakes because I saw all these legendary guys race Baja for a whole year in the sky. I could see their lines. I could see how they raced. And it was uh, extremely beneficial and, and really vital to my success in Baja for myself, for sure. I, I want to ask this question. And if you want me to move on, you can just tell me to move on. How big of an impact was that when Kurt passed? Oof, yeah, that was, uh, I think Kurt's passing impacted, uh, all of off-road racing. Um, again, when you say that, I knew you were going to say it and it still gives me chills. Um, 
a lot of people usually ask me why I continued to race down there after his passing. And I most of the time give him the same story is that I knew Kurt well enough that, that he would never want me to stop. There's, there's no way he'd want me to go and win. And, uh, it was a huge influence. Um, when I was down there pre-running with all those guys, Kurt was the guy that convinced me to try it ISDE. Um, so after his passing, I was thinking, well, I gotta, I gotta listen to one of the greatest racers of all time. And, um, got a chance to get on the junior team for six days and it was incredible. I mean, the junior team hasn't won since, since I was there. So, um, I was probably one of the highlights in my career actually was, was ISD being a junior world champion and, uh, probably my favorite type of racing. Even I'm kind of bummed that the, the States don't really, at least on the West coast, don't have that type of racing, but the six day stuff was pretty cool. And I really, uh, raced that in his honor and, um, uh, I wouldn't have done it without him. So, yeah, he's had a huge influence for sure. I was the, the, the car that year. Okay. I was the closest I ever got. We were sitting across the tables from each other. And when you see another yeah. American, you nod because there's not many of us, you know, and we right. Right. your thumb. Right. And, um, he might've, I recognized him because he, he used to go to works when we were yeah. started and, you know, maybe we recognize, he recognized me from there, but, um, you know, it was pretty awesome hearing what they were talking about in the Dakar pits is, you know, this American was going to dominate Dakar for years to come. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Kurt was, Kurt was ballsy. He really was on the motorcycle. And, and I really think from my experience, it seems you got to be a bit ballsy in Dakar because you're wide open over a rise that you're trusting you're reading correctly. And, uh, if you get it wrong, it's going to be, going to be pretty bad. So yeah, Kurt was the best guy to fill that role really, at, at least at the time. Uh, he had great success and you're right. He would have, I, I believe been the car champion. No, no, no problem. Yeah. It, well, with the team that backs you over there, I mean, the, you have to, the KTM program in Dakar, it's like nothing I've ever seen. You know, oh, I bet. I bet. I mean, they don't even let you near you don't get to see what they do to the machine because they yeah. pull them in, they wash them. And then there's a tent, a cover and you don't yep. get to watch. There's an official in there. So, you know, unless they're paying that guy a lot of money, they're not cheating, but yeah, they have a fleet of guys that come in there and they take those bikes apart. you know, one guy does tires. One guy takes the suspension off. One guy does this. And, um, it's, it's the little bits that you get to see. It's pretty amazing. That whole if you have a legitimate factory Dakar program, it's pretty, in, pretty incredible. I had a small slice of tasting that. So kind of when, uh, like Ricky Brabeck and Johnny Campbell were getting back into Dakar, I did a little bit of reliability testing for Johnny Campbell on like their kind of first gen Dakar bike. And that thing was amazing. And it's, I, from what I've heard has gotten incredibly better since then. Like, like auto ride height, just from a push of a button, extremely good traction control. That would is way better than what you'd ever anticipate. Like anti-lock brakes, the bike was over 300 pounds and it felt like you could, you could almost race motocross on it. So when you see those Dakar guys like riding on a motocross track, it's, 
not as gnarly as you think because those bikes are incredible. I mean, they're still heavy, no, no doubt, but the money and technology that goes into those bikes is, is pretty, uh, pretty incredible. I remember them telling me too, if, if I had like two chances, if I fell over twice, I had to go home. I didn't get paid. Like, <laughs> like, like the, the whole exhaust system as they run under the frame, like, I think that was like a hundred thousand dollars just in, just in engineering, like the way they figured that out and the materials and like they were opening up the thing in front of me. And I, I like, they told me to turn around kind of thing. Like it was, it was pretty cool. Pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Because your Honda was so far behind. Yeah, they were, they were, you got to figure KTM has been racing over there forever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that Honda was going to just come in and dominate different era of Honda, maybe, but yeah. In the modern day era, the, 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 those guys are too on the gas. Yeah. The, their bikes are incredible. I would love to try one now. Cause I'm sure it's, you know, 50% better than what I rode. I almost think it's better to be a rider there than it, than it is to be a crew guy. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. You get to get up at, at five or four or five in the morning, put your ride in. You're generally, if you're in the top 20 pro bikes, you're generally back to the truck by one. Yeah. And you eat, do your road book, take a shower at the hotel, get a good night's sleep. And then you're back up riding again in the morning. Yeah. I think at least from, from what I can see that when they went to the South, it seems to be a bit more of the roots of real Dakar. It seems to be at least from the outside, a bit tougher on them. Um, I don't think they get their road bike till like 20 minutes before the stage now. So I think it's becoming definitely more difficult. A road book right before the stage. That's awesome because that gives them no time to yep. really um, examine it, you know, cause some of those guys absolutely have ink, you know, the ink pens and are drawing on it and writing on it and doing all this stuff. You're not supposed to be able to uh, pre-run, but when it was in South well, you, you could, if you think about it with technology, I did this a lot in Baja as well. If you know your routes, with the technology of like Google Earth, you could get a general idea of what you're going and big land landmarks. I'm sure, I'm sure that's what they did. I haven't asked anybody, but before, if they're getting their road books at night, they could really get a good sense of what was going to happen in front of them. I bet. Check this out. Come here. This is my grandson, Logan. Oh, hey, Logan. Can you say hi? Hi, buddy. That's Justin. How, how old are you? I'm going to be two in April. going to be two? In April. Oh, yeah, it is April. You're close to my son's age. You're a little bit older. His cousins. When is Danny's? Uh, my, my son's son turns two in July. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. July 25th, right? Yeah. April 23rd. Oh, it's your birthday. <laughs> you're, not Hi, gonna, buddy. you're not gonna talk are you <laughs> all right buddy i'm gonna get back to work here okay put them on bye love you <laughs> had to had to make that little interruption there you know he didn't want to no, talk no 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 not a problem yeah. 
Yeah, I got two. Yeah. I got two that uh, are going to be two right away, and it's pretty awesome. I got. We have six grandkids, so dang. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Bye, bye, buddy. Love you. Um, but what we, what we were saying about the Dakar. Um, you did a you did a lot of Googler stuff in Baja. I Absolutely. know because I'm super good friends with Raphael Sonic, um, mm-hmm. which is the quads. I think he's retired now, but he would go down and train in South America. And yeah. the guys that were from South America, they would ride all of that stuff all over Argentina and some of those places year round. So. Yeah, why wouldn't you if you can? Well, yeah, I mean, look at Baja now. I mean, people are yeah. riding the courses constantly. Yeah, I could take you to some of the biggest rocks that are just ingrained into my head in Baja right now. Like, I know it's still there. The, the same rock that they're hitting in San Felipe tomorrow, I know exactly where it's at. Like, I so much of Baja, at least race courses, like, pounded into my head because it's such a mental game down there. So, yeah, I could I could see the advantage for sure. Um, I know that when I was working with Craig Christie in like 2000, um, gosh, 2008, 2009, he did a lot of Google maps. Yeah. You know, yeah. GPS stuff is pretty good. Uh, what's changed the game. I think for Baja is the BCP for sure. It's, it's almost a full on like a course race. Like it's a, and almost not race because there's, not a lot of room for creativity anymore, really. Um, if, if you do make a good line on something, they usually go back and, and, and they see your GPS and they'll put a VCP in the corner where you, where you made a diversion really. So it's, uh, it's a lot of pound and race course and, and it's not like those deserts get prepped either. So I, you know, I'm probably was hitting the same bumps that Johnny Campbell was hitting, you know, 10 years ago. <laughs> it's just getting deeper and deeper. I think it's great for, for that kind of racing to make it like that. You think so? It levels the playing field for everybody. I I remember we're standing at the, at the Baja 250 on, um, as you come off the start and you're probably pit one, Mm -hmm. you know, you haven't got to the, to the road crossing where, where you, uh, turn at the top, but we're standing there. And the whoops are three feet deep. And I'm just thinking, oh, yeah. this has got to be horrific. And we're all standing on the turn waiting for the, for the quads to come. And they come from behind us. Yeah. We weren't even yeah. on the track. So, and there was no VPs, VCPs. There was no, um, there, there was no reason why they shouldn't ride over there because there was no reason they weren't going to get dinged for it. Right. Right. Yeah. The rules have changed you know, quite a bit. Um, I haven't raced a Baja race that didn't have VCP. So all of my experience is VCP based. Um, so really I like really overanalyze apexes even, um, some of the hardest time, hardest places to make up time is where I rode a lot was on the coast and it's tough to make up time because it's so fast. So where you do make up time, is your entrance speed and your apexes. So if you really don't have those down and memorized, then uh, you can lose a lot of time. 
with with such average speeds being high, you know. So Baja's a, a different world, that's for sure. I ride down there, race down there, um, completely different than when I approach almost anything else. It's it's, uh, it's extremely specialized for sure. What was the top speed? Our top speed actually wasn't too bad or, or too big, excuse me. Um, I think our newest generation Honda, I think the fastest was 109 maybe in the dirt. I think Dry Lake, I might've gotten 112 maybe once, but it's uh, not as much as you would really think. I think our, our old Gen Gen 1 Honda 450X, uh, I think 100, like it would really, that was about it. When when a trophy truck now can go 130, it's uh, a pretty big deal if a motorcycle can beat those guys. That's I'd say my biggest accomplishment in Baja was beating all the trophy trucks and and winning overall with uh, with my teammates in 2018. That was a a really really big deal to me because uh, even if there wasn't any competition, you know, we we beat every every soul there. It was pretty special. I bet that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I had an XR 600 that tapped out at one Oh three. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, uh, there's no replacement for this. Right. So you could definitely get a 600 to, uh, do that. I definitely wouldn't want to be hitting San Felipe whoops on an XR 600 though. Holy moly. They did. They used to, that used to be, I know. Like, I know. Did you ever ride one of the six fifties? I know that's probably before your time. I never have. Uh, my dad still claims that we'd probably go faster on a 650, but I don't think he's he's seen the seen the bumps down there. Like I said, we're hitting the same bumps that a 650 hit down there. Like they they haven't changed it. unless it floods the area. They're they just get sharper, and the trucks make them even worse every year. So the YouTube um, haven't helped either. Oh boy, that chatter from those things are gnarly. All those all those belts. <laughs> I, I'm. I don't want to be a car mechanic and, and I know that the evolution of the car is getting better and better. I yeah. just don't want to be the guy working on it. No, no, that was uh, a tough for me. ATV wise, even, I think that's what kind of drove me out was I, I got sick of working on ATVs. It felt like so much more maintenance to me and I was pretty young too. So I, I of course I was being a snot nosed kid and not wanting to do it either, but right. Right. They're definitely a heck of a lot more work. You know, I never practiced on ATVs ever. I would do some test days and uh, most of the time I would just show up to the race. I'd practice on my motorcycle. Almost never practiced ATVs. And and some guys used to cross train that way where they would, because they couldn't afford to ride the quad because yeah. there is more. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah. And parts, you know, you wear things out faster. Um, so they would cross train on two wheelers all the time. Yeah, it's great. It really transitions really well. Um, I think vice versa, it would be, uh, it's pretty tough to make that, um, more beneficial for a motorcycle guy to cross train on a quad and make it tough. That's for sure. Smacking you around. I think the strength wise, the, the, one of the things that Travis Damon told me is the strength that he gained from riding the ATV has ultimately made him faster on the motorcycle. Oh, sure. Sure. For for me, what was the biggest difference was the intensities. I felt like the intensity was so much lower on an ATV and I had so much more time to think or plan out a line than a motorcycle. A motorcycle gets you there like immediately when, when setup was kind of more important, at least for me on a on an ATV. We'll change that for you. Yeah, all right. 
Yeah, we'll, Let's we'll get, see you, it. get you on a rocket and then you'll be like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. This, this is way faster than I expected. I've written some good stuff. I think uh that so I, I mentioned I was a uh, I'm a test writer for Dirt Bike magazine. And around the time um I was racing ATVs, public publication under the same or excuse me, magazine under the same publication, Dirt Wheels. Uh Ron Lawson was the editor. So he was the editor for Dirt Wheels and dirt bikes. So I did a ton of ATV testing as well. So I got to ride, uh, John Natalie's Can-Am. I got to ride Bill Barron's quad. I got to ride, uh, my favorite one was, uh, Josh Kramer's Yoshimura, uh, factory championship bike. That thing was incredible. That, that, that nice. Suzuki frame is good. It's, it's unfortunate that their motor's bad because that frame was really, really good. For moto, I think it's outstanding. I don't. I don't think that it was a good desert package, or or even in the off road was that good. Okay, man, in the in moto, moto stuff was good. Yeah, because that's what it was built for. Right. Yeah, I only did a few works races on ATVs. I think I did maybe three or four, and I never was prepared. It was always on uh, motocross tires and a stock tank and uh, in, in the pro-am class. I think I always landed on the podium though. I, I can't remember a time I didn't, I think I never won one. That's for sure. I think Hagsma always beat me, but I, I think I gave him a run for his money a couple of times. You were definitely a threat. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's why I, I had to think of like, uh, if I actually put the right effort into ATV racing, if I could have maybe made a bigger name for myself, you never know. I don't know. You probably could have, you probably could have. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. And, and you know, Bo. Yeah. I watched a video on him on a motorcycle. And I believe he rides the ATV the same way. Yeah, he does. He really does. His momentum never stopped. Yeah. He was in the throttle the whole way. And he just flowed. Not overly... Not there was no motion or no movement that wasn't justified. Yeah. Yeah. He never even seems to pitch it in much or, or even lean off the side of the quad. He's, he's always like straight up and down, like you said, on a, on a motorcycle that always threw me for a loop. Yeah. I, 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 you know, you you try to figure all these guys out. How does he go so fast? Well, he's saving movements. Yeah. He's super efficient. Extremely efficient. I got a question for you that I've been wondering about ATVs for quite a long time. I'll try to answer it. Have have you seen or ever built an extremely light ATV, like custom frame and everything? Yes. What, what's always you have, like titanium everything? I mean, how did it work? Was it was it beneficial or did it not work as well being light? They built them for TT. Okay. Um. We did a little bit of lightweight stuff for the motocross, and one of the parts that we built was was brittle and it broke. Okay, that's that's what I was thinking. Um, there is places where yes, weight does matter, and especially in the modern day motocross, where yeah. they're building machines that are super lightweight. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 your four stroke, like in the off road or the desert. We're not building weight is never something that we're worried about. It's a hundred percent ability. So I'm asking, is, would that be beneficial? 
Say again. Would that be benefit? Would it be beneficial to have an extremely light ATV for a motocross race? Yes. Yeah. But you have to and I light in the right place and right and still durable. You know, so some of the things you can't lighten up. Now you go to a TT. Um, you're not as hard on certain things, but you're harder on others. But you're definitely wanting to lighten it up in some places. Right. And then, but also, this is one thing that a lot of people don't understand. And, and there's some suspension guys that'll agree with this and some suspension guys that'll disagree with this. You need weight to get the shocks to work. Absolutely. Yeah. So I understand tight, that. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. So how, that, how about, have you played around with frame? I'm sure you have frame geometry. So every time I've ridden an ATV, at least coming from a motorcycle, I never feel like I can get on the front of it enough to get front end traction. I always feel like the, the tank's real built up. Like I'm riding like a, like a, like a early night, early nineties, late eighties motorcycle with like that big banana seat, like a big two fifty R has that huge tank in the front. What if you just made it flat? If we push the tank They're down, they flatter now. Are they flatter now? Yep. Cause I I'd like it even more like almost flat, like a, like a, like a dirt bike, like push, even get that center of mass down further. I'm sure it would turn better. And then you could actually get on the front of the ATV to turn it. I, I always felt like I was sitting in a hole when I rode them. One of the things that I would teach you is knee. You'd have to plant your knee. Okay. in the side and you get that, yeah. get that leg to drive you know, your, your inside leg is going to push and drive you through the turn. Okay. You know? and, and that's going to help you get forward because you're going to plant your inside knee on the side yeah. of the tank. And yep. some people throw their leg out. Some people, yeah. I threw my leg in and mm-hmm. we get into the, into it and get it to turn, um, kind of a, a different technique for each individual. Um, some guys okay. the knee in so hard that it would it bent the, bend the radiators. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was that guy. We always had to move the ignition because I, uh, smashed my knee into the side of the thing. Yeah. And, and, and it's more technique, you know, getting yourself, your body English, getting yourself off the seat. Sure. Amazing that when you watch Bo, he drives through the turns. He doesn't slide through the turns. Right. Every once in a while you catch him doing it, but most of the time he is driving through a turn on the gas momentum. And, and that's the fastest way. Um, right. Mike, Mike Sloan has the, the perfect photo op berm <laughs> shot every turn, you know, dirt's flying ours, RPMs high, just freaking going 90 miles an hour. And it's not always the fastest way around the track, but it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to work at Havasu when you're an hour in. That's for sure. But he, that kid's got a gas tank that just doesn't run out. Oh, really? Yeah. He just how, how long are the works races for ATVs? Are they hour and a half or two yeah, hours? Hour and a half now. Hour and a half. Okay. okay. For a while, they shortened them to an hour and that you would have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could do an hour off the couch for sure. <laughs> As long as you don't have to prep it, you're good, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that, that would that would be pretty good. <laughs> well, if I bring you one, it's going to be prepped. As long All as you right. ride it. There might be something to that. Might well, be a comeback. You never know. 
well, I got I got to do my part and get it done. Um, <laughs> as busy as we are, it's really difficult to get my brother to build my engine for my bike. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But it, 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 for sure. it's a lot of fun, you know. Um, I just would send the shocks off to Doug, and you know, we'd have some conversations. If if we really wanted to do this, we would we would plan it out so that it worked for both of us, and and uh, sure. I think it would be a blast, you know. Well, regardless if we raced or not, let me know when it's done because I'd like to at least spin a few laps because I don't even remember what it feels like to ride an ATV. It's been, it's been like you said, eleven years. I'm gonna hold a while. to it. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. That's awesome. Justin, I want to say thank you so much for joining me here on ATV Talk. There's still so much more we could talk about. Absolutely. Uh, so I would like to extend the invitation to have you back. Uh, maybe after yeah. you graduate so that you have a little bit more breathing room. Absolutely. I would love to. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.